God is good, isn't He? Now, if you bear with me, I have a bit of a head cold. Dan, if you bring the um, drink for me. Um, Pastor Greg, just want to let you know that there are soothers missing from your second drawer. Uh, Look at that. No, mate, I already took them from your drawer. I literally have them in my hand. I literally, when you were down here praying, I was up there stealing. It was fantastic. Um, That's what happened. So God's good. The East uh, campus has gone really well this morning. There's about two or three new people uh, there, which is really, really exciting. When, when a community is smaller, um, it, it's exciting when new people are coming in and just little things. Uh, on Google Maps now, you can, you can type in Uni Hill East Campus, uh, Uni Hill Church East, and it comes up, which is fantastic. Did you know we have a Google Map? Uni? I didn't even know we had that. I'm like, this is amazing. So it's been really good. I got there, no sense of direction. Um, can we get Daniel Stubbs to stand up for a moment? Can we give him a hand, please? Daniel got up at 5.30 this morning. Um, I had an appointment in Box Hill at 7am and he has been my driver. Um, Man, I drive slow. We got there so much faster than when I drive. It was great and I wasn't scared. It's crazy when you do the speed limit how much quicker you actually get there, Uh, which is good. Everyone says, you know, the whole wipe off five campaign, wipe off five, save a life. Mine's wipe off ten, make a friend. That was my thing. Um, So we're going to get into the Word. I'm very excited. I'm preaching over the next three weeks um, uh, every Sunday. I want to encourage you to be here because for the first time, um, we're going to work systematically through a book. We're going to work our way from Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 through the whole book, which is going to be really cool. Um, So I'm very excited about that. There there are a heap of, of, of things uh, that you could get out of the Word, especially out of Galatians. Um, I'm not going to be able to do it exhaustively over the next three weeks. So what I feel to do is oh, I want to tell you the story. I want to explain to you the context of the letter. But then oh, I want to pull things out that we can apply to our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. There, there is a heap of things going on. Um, but effectively, if you come over the next three weeks... You're going to learn about who we love. We're going to learn about who we are. We're going to learn about who we serve and how we serve and why we serve. Galatians is a very cool book uh, of the Bible. It's only six chapters long. Uh, It was written about 48 AD. There there is some conjecture as to around the time, but most people, most scholars, most research and evidence base it around 48 AD, which is interesting because it means it was written before most of the Gospels, uh, which is is cool. But in talking to Greg, uh, a lot of the guys that wrote the Gospels were out dealing with churches and doing things and and building, and they they wrote the Gospels later on in their life where, where Paul felt the need to write this letter early on. You know, I described this letter uh, as something of, um, it has an emotional tone, uh, which I think is cool. Uh, Are there any emotional people in the room? Give me a wave, my people. I see my people. You know, I I get emotional. I can even think of an example. Um, uh, I was actually, um, for my school, quite a good student. Um, I know that's hard to believe. So let me rephrase good student as well-behaved student. Didn't necessarily do the work, but I was polite and I smiled. You know what I mean? Like, and I was there. And there, there was this one time where uh, we went through this phase at school with lots of water bombs. 
we were throwing water bombs and uh, that's not done these days, but that, our school allowed it. So every, every lunchtime there's water bombs going on. The problem with that after about a week, the school quickly realised that it had escalated into like World War III, the moment lunchtime hit and kids were getting back and they were drenched. And what had happened is I had been away when they had called a band. So they had called a band. They said, there will be no more water bombs and we are that serious about it. If anybody is caught filling a water bomb or with the water, they will be suspended. I missed this announcement. So we rock out one lunchtime and there is a teacher on yard duty. He was a PE teacher. My favourite teacher. I liked sport. It meant you didn't have to read or do maths or do anything. So as we are in a conversation and there are kids around, I walk past him and I fill up the balloon in front of him and in front of other students. I then go on to tie the balloon and throw the balloon. He goes, Charles, do you know that you will be suspended for that? Now, it's me here, come from an Italian household, and I could imagine the shellackling that was going to happen when I would get home, and I began to cry. And I know, I know. The, the teacher comes up to me. Now, here's the thing. We had relationship. He knew that I honoured the teachers. I loved the teachers. I did. I, I, I never wanted to break rules deliberately. That wasn't who I was. And because of relationship, the rules, then he goes, look, being aware of who you are and knowing of, of who we are, I believe that you didn't do it. And, and because of relationship, you see, the rules had changed. Something had shifted. You see, now I tell you that just to say, hey, man, I've come from a background. Can you imagine my testimony? Oh, I one time almost got suspended, <sighs> you know. Uh, but this story will make sense in a moment. Remembering that because of relationship, the rules had changed. So let's set the context now. We're, we're in Galatians. And if you guys want to turn there in the New Testament, today the application will be slightly quicker because I want to spend a bit of time sort of setting the scene. So what happens is um, Paul is an evangelist. He, he's, he, he's gone out and he's, he, he's spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he's come through and the Galatians have received the gospel of Jesus They've received it with open arms. It's a Gentile community. So it's not a Jewish community. Um, and uh, there, there are Jews present, uh, but primarily they're not. And, and they've received the gospel, which is that through faith in Jesus Christ alone, you've been made righteous and therefore forgiven and therefore in right relationship with God. So what's happened is he, he's gone through and, and they've received the gospel and he's, he's gone on to another place to begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he then hears a report that there are guys that have come into the community. And what's happened is they, they've begun to attack Paul in a few ways. Uh, they, they've, they've attacked his, his apostolic calling. Who really sent him? He's not part of the 12 that walked with Jesus. He, you know, he, he, he's not one of those. Is, is he really an apostle? Beyond that, they go, hey, the gospel that he preached, these Jewish uh, Christians that have come in, but there's a little bit, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also believed that with Jesus, that was only the first step. They go, listen, Paul is preaching an incomplete gospel. You see, you don't just need Jesus. You actually also need the law. You see, 
what the law meant is that not only did you need Jesus, but you needed circumcision. You needed the food customs. You needed the holiday customs. You needed to fall in line with the laws in order to really become a child of God. And what's happened is they've attacked who he is. They're they're, they're saying that he's only preaching for popularity. He says, hey, he's only preaching certain things because, you know, he's saying, oh, you don't need circumcision because that's the popular thing to do. So he's really just a popular preacher, but that's not right. Oh, we need to come in and we need to complete his gospel. So what happens is Paul's away and he he hears of this after hearing what they've said and and what they're doing and he's, he's annoyed. Uh, He's aggravated. And so what he does is he writes this letter to address a few things. He he goes, I'm going to write this letter. I'm going to address where my apostolic standing is. I'm going to address who sent me. I'm going to address what it is uh, to be made righteous through Christ, the freedom of the believer, what you get from Jesus Christ. Beyond that, he goes, you know what? But there still is a battle between flesh and the Spirit. And I'll talk into that. He then talks about the fruits of the Spirit and the way that you can live a Spirit-led life. But what he does is effectively he addresses those in the community that are leading them astray. Because we know, Paul knew, the believers had accepted and understood that through Christ and faith in Him and repentance, you are made righteous and in right standing with God. But the problem is these guys had come in and there's some toing and froing going on that enable he needs to address as a leader. He needs to address for their growth as born again Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ in order that they can continue to move forward and not be deceived. So this is where we land now. In Galatians, he's defending himself, his calling. He's defending the gospel he preaches, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's addressing some specific things in the community. Today, we're going to try and hit the first two chapters of it. Dear Heavenly Father, right now, we thank you. We love you. We honour you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that in these pages, there are timeless truths. Lord God, that can be applied to our lives, Lord, so that we can live a life that honours you more and serves you more. Father, we want more of you. We want to live for you, Jesus. We want to be like you, Jesus. Please help us to learn. I pray that as we hear your words, Lord, our hearts would be open to you, Holy Spirit. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love this. It says this in the opening verses of Galatians 1.1. It says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. In his opening verse, he says, I have not been sent by anyone of human origin. I have been sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father, God that raised Jesus from the dead. That guy is the guy that has sent me. I love this because straight away, he's already addressing the attackers and the accusers that are in the room. But Paul's agitated. 
and he's annoyed. And, and I, I've been there before. Because has anybody ever been agitated to the point where you sort of throw all the nice things aside because you just want to get to the point? Has anybody ever done that? Oh, look, I'm growing as an individual. I'll be transparent. This is what I do. When, when I was younger, I'm getting better at it. But when I was younger, no matter what April said to me, I was going to repeat it, but let her know I really wanted to talk about stuff. So she'd be clueless. She'd be like, hey, babe, you want a cup of tea? And I'd be like, of course I want a cup of tea. You know, she'd be like, oh, you know, uh, you know, how was your day? Oh, you want to ask about my day? See, what I would do is I'd forget about everything in between because really I want to address what's going on. So what happens is Paul goes on to say to the church in Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God, the Father, to whom the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, here's the thing about Paul. He wrote a lot of letters. But normally, he'd have a flow where he'd say, Hey, it's Paul, or whoever co-authored with him. It's me. I'm writing to you, whether it be the Thessalonians, whether it be the Corinthians, and, and then there's the Romans. There's a whole bunch of, of different ones that, that I think about, the Ephesians. But what happens is normally he goes, hey, it's Paul. I'm writing to you. And then he does a prayer and thanksgiving for their faith. But in this one, he just skips it. He, there's no prayer and thanksgiving for their faith at all. He gets straight to it with the word, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. See, the whole thing in this, this scenario, in this environment, is there's been a battle going on that, that hasn't finished between Pharisees and believers of the law and then these Christians that are emerging that have faith in Jesus Christ. Because one is all about rules. And regulations and customs and behaviours. The other one is about a relationship that is genuine, that is based off faith and love. So there's always these things going on. But what happens is Paul is so astonished. He's so upset. And I love that he addresses the people in the room that are attacking the gospel, but he doesn't use them by name. He doesn't actually single them out. But what he says, is he says, if there's anybody that preaches a gospel other than the one I've preached to you, even if it was an angel from heaven, let them be under God's curse. Oof. Because they're putting needless pressure. They're putting obstacles in front of a person having a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going, to, I'm going to lead with this and I'll continue to go back to it and I'll continue to go back to it, is today's theme is simply, it's not rules, it's relationship. It's not rules, it's relationship. God is interested in a relationship with you. Jesus is interested in a relationship with you. Because here's the thing, when there is a genuine, loving relationship, you do what you can to honour and please the person you love. God is interested in the heart. He looks at the heart. What's going on here? Is there a battle between, is it, is it about the law or is it about a relationship? Is it about the rules? And what's happening is we already know that God loved you so much that he sent his son through love. Because of love, because of a want and a desire for a relationship, he made a way that we could be that. It's a gift that is received for free. It is a gift that we can 
receive through faith. So he talks about that. Anybody that preaches a gospel otherwise would be under a curse. That's, that's very, very scary for the people that were in the room. And then he goes on to address another thing that they've been throwing at him is that he's only a popular preacher. It's only about pleasing the masses. It's only about making it comfortable for people. But then he goes on to say down a bit lower as we keep moving forward, he says, if I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, the whole goal is that because he preached the gospel that he preached, it actually made life harder for him. We know Paul's story. We know what he had to work through. So yet there are these people in a community that are attacking him. They're attacking his lifestyle. They're attacking his manner. But he says, you know what? I don't preach the gospel to please anybody else but God, my Father, Jesus, the one who sent me. Isn't that inspiring? When I think about it, serving God for my life and for your life in whatever area of life it is, whether it's in your workplace, might not make it easier. With your family, it might not make it easier, but we live the life we live and we serve the God we serve because we love him and we want to please him. Amen? So then it talks about Paul called by God. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this and about the character uh, that Paul is because Paul is a Jewish rabbi and he's actually been trained. And, and as we move on through verses 11 down to 23, Paul begins to talk about uh, his, almost his resume. Uh, if it meant, if you had to keep the rules, if, if the rules had to be held by an individual, I am that guy, Paul is saying. He's saying, it's me. That's my role. I'm that guy. He says this, if you're reading from verse 13, it says, For you have heard of my previous life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So what he's saying is he's saying, out of anybody my age, I was being promoted because I was that good at holding to the traditions of my forefather. The traditions were the rules that the Pharisees upheld. So all the rules that they lived by, you've got to wash your hands here. You've got to, you've got to do that. You've got to avoid that person. You've got to eat. You've got to fast a certain time. There's a whole bunch of different things. Paul is saying, if it was about the rules, I did it. That's me. I was the head of my class. I was the Jew of Jews is what they say in the theological words. It means like I was the man out of all the guys that wanted to be in that world. That was me. And then there's a pivot. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me. I love this verse of Scripture. You can also hear it in Jeremiah as well. The whole thing, it says, but when God, he had determined in my mother's womb. If you just think about that in the context of our society today. But when God, who set me apart in my mother's womb, God makes plans for those living children even before they are born. But it says this, and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. It says this, 
my mum's womb. Before I've ever been able to feel any kind of law, any kind of statue, any kind of religious act, God had already called me and set me apart. See, what he's saying is I've realised that even before I could fulfil the rules, it was never about them. It was about my relationship with Jesus. There was a need for the law, which we'll address in a moment, but effectively and in short, what the law did is it revealed that we were sinful and that we needed Jesus. But what happens is he says there that because of relationship and love, God called me. So I started thinking about it this week as I was applying it to my own life and the the question that I asked myself was do I live out of rules or do I live out of relationship? I think about it, I go, oh, I can't eat, I need to pray. Is that a rule? Or is it, I want to take a moment to thank God because he's not only provided for me to be able to eat this food, he's provided for me to be able to sit in this house or walk in this place or have a job to be able to afford it. You see, what about, oh, no, I didn't pray before I went to sleep. Is that a rule or is it out of relationship? Because no matter your your world, if you're doing it out of a religious act and your heart is not in it, you know, I would dare to say that God's not that interested. God is interested in your heart and a relationship with you through Jesus Christ and that what we need to do is we need to pursue Him out of love. We need to pursue him because a God that had determined and predestined your life from the womb is calling you to be in relationship with him. But he doesn't just call you out of, out of a place where you don't know where to find him. He provided the way. And his name is Jesus. So Paul then goes on to reinforce that I was the law keeper. I was the Jew of Jews. I was that guy. But when I realised that there was relationship that I could gain through Jesus Christ, it says I consulted no man. He goes, he went off where he could build a relationship with Jesus Christ where he could receive from him the gospel that he needed to preach to the Gentiles. You see, what happened is he had been in a world where there was rules. Now he had encountered the living God and now he wanted to know the living God. It wasn't about the rules anymore. It was about knowing who he was to follow. So he says to them, it wasn't about the apostles. They're good guys. But I went away for quite a period of time. He ministered for years. He met one of them for about 15 days. As you read this, I'd love to encourage you. It's six chapters. It's not long. Why don't you begin to read through Galatians over the next few weeks? The detail will jump out as you put time in. But don't do it religiously. Do it because you want to know God. And you want to know His Word. So what happens is he then moves on to say, but you know what, out of all of that, I was still accepted by the apostles. But what's really interesting about this, and that's in in chapter 2, and and we'll move through that quickly, but pretty well it says, I went, met the apostles, and they said, yep, we believe that you're called to the Gentiles, we're called to the circumcised, and and you go, but remember the poor. And he says, look, I'm, I'm ready to do that, I'm keen to do that. But then it moves into something which I think is pretty cool and, and very interesting, is that there's a section at the end of verse 2 where it says, Paul opposes, Paul confronts Cephas. Now Cephas is Simon Peter, is Peter. 
It's one of the apostles. And Paul confronts him. So I'm like, ooh, a beef. What does that say? Let's get into that. So what happens is there's a world of dynamic now going on in this society where there's Jewish believers that feel that if they associate with the Gentiles, what's happening is, is that they're becoming sinners because they're hanging with sinners. The old rules said we really shouldn't do that. So by, by hanging out with them, effectively we're, we're sinning. And, and I don't know if we want to do that, but yet Jesus said, you know, and if you look at communion, it's, it's all about everybody coming together and, and eating around the table and a picture of unity and what God wanted to do. And Galatians later, you'll see where it begins to talk about next week. It talks about that there, there's no, there's no um, uh, ethnicity, uh, there's no gender, there's, there's there's nothing. When it comes to Jesus, we're all on the same playing field. It's all the same. It does. There's no hierarchy. We all love Jesus together. But what happens is there's this battle. So Peter is there and he's hanging out with these guys. And what happens? He's hanging out with the Gentiles and he's doing his thing. And all of a sudden, some Jewish guys rock up. And all of a sudden, he feels the pressure of, oh, they're not so happy about me being with the, these Gentiles. And, and so what happens is he's, he's pulled away and he ends up separating himself. Because what, what the, the Jews had wanted to do, and you need to be careful if people carry this spirit, is that unless you obey the rules and you do everything, um, you'll never really be a real Christian. You've got to do what we tell you to do, where the gospel of Jesus is love him, obey him, be in relationship with him, and you'll be set free. So what happens is Peter pulls away. And Paul sees it happening. So Paul calls him out in front of everybody. Let's read it. If you look at uh, verse 11 and then um, let's read. Yeah, we'll read from verse 11. When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Yes, you did. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they had arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So what happens is he obviously goes on and he says, How is it then? I'm just skipping down. We're moving through verse 14. How is it then that you can force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So what he's saying is these believers that have followed Jesus Christ, why are you now putting these customs and these rules on them? And he says, we who are the Jews by birth are not sinful Gentiles. Not that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ not by works of the law. Now, I'll talk about this in a minute because I know it's wordy. Uh, it says, But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, among the Gentiles, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? He's asking a rhetorical question, which I'll explain. Absolutely not. I don't know where we are, just know that that comes next. Thank you, Greg. Absolutely not. But if we seek and justify, we sin ourselves among sinners. Does that mean Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. 
I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now let me talk about this for a moment. When you begin to read this, you begin to see what, what, what is going on. You see what Paul is saying to Peter. He's saying to them, so the conundrum that you face is that because of the rules, if you follow Jesus Christ and you hang out with the Gentiles, you become a sinner. So you love Jesus We're all one in Christ. So if you hang out with them, you become a sinner. But Paul is saying, but but that's the law. And what happened is when Jesus died on the cross, that law no longer applies. So it's not sin because Jesus has set you free from those rules in order that we can have relationship with Him and one another. It's no longer about the rules. It's about the relationship. So why are you pulling away and going back into your old old mode of thinking when Christ calls you forward into relationship with him and one another? So what he's saying is if you go back to acting via the law, you rebuild what's been torn down. You see, because the law, which we'll go on to talk about, all it was about was revealing our need for Jesus Christ. You see, there was the covenant and what happened is God gave these rules and said, if you want to stay within this covenant, you want to stay within what we're doing, you hold up these laws and these rules in order that you can stay within it. But when Jesus Christ came to the earth... He fulfilled and and finished the work in order that now through relationship, we fulfill what God required us to fulfill. So here's the question that that I I pose. Uh, Are we often pulled back into old ways of thinking in your life? The other thought that I had is, do the relationships that you hold pull you into old molds of thinking or push you towards a relationship with God. Because see, what happened is these guys that had come from James, these Jewish leaders, all of a sudden began to influence Peter in a way that God didn't really want him to. But lucky for him, there was a friend that spoke the truth in love that was able to call him out on it. What are the relationships like that you hold in your life? Do they encourage you to seek after God? What's your thinking like? I feel that there is a plague of people that are held in condemnation when they shouldn't be. I know that there are people out there that when finally you find some time to pray and God is so excited, you're riddled with the thoughts of, oh, you want to pray now? You haven't found any time anywhere else in the week. And then it's like you feel guilty in your approach to God because of your busyness. That's not God. God will take you as you are. He will love you as you come. So what happens is when, when condemnation comes to try and hold you bound to rules, you, didn't, you weren't able to read the Bible every day last week. Oh, you forgot to pray. God is not interested. God is there and He's waiting with an open arm. He says, I gave you my son so that you could approach me. Don't think about anything else. I love, you know, that, that, that we're to hold every thought captive. in order that we can focus on God. It doesn't, it doesn't deny the things that we walk through each week. It doesn't change it. But what happens is God wants us to pursue Him, where you can receive His peace, where you can receive His joy, His love, 
but it comes through relationship. So what's happening is they're questioning, in hanging with these people, do we become, do we become like them? Do we become sinners? But Paul says, well, well no, because that, that doesn't exist anymore. We have Jesus. Rules or relationship. Annie, I might get you to come up. Rules or relationship. I don't know if there are people here. I believe that there would be that you need to begin to pursue God afresh from the perspective of you've been made righteous through faith. So don't rebuild a case against yourself. Pursue God because his arms are open and his arms are wide and he wants you to. 